This is At The Line Post Draft. We just spent almost four hours streaming tonight, guys. And yep. I'm joined by Noah and Nick, who were on the stream with us. If you didn't know what that we were streaming, you can go check it out at twitch.tv slash thetyjaeger. That's twitch.tv slash thetyjaeger. We're doing a lot of streaming there. and Kind of a makeshift podcast, as you would say. But, so first off, we went through draft night, no trades, uh, the the hype that we all saw kind of died down, but I think there's some legitimate reasons to that, which we'll talk about. But, let's first talk about the two picks that the San Antonio Spurs selected. With the 11th overall pick, the San Antonio Spurs select Devin Vassell from Florida State, and this this was, I think, was a great trade, a great pick, not a great trade, a great pick by the Spurs. Noah, what do you think about this pick? I'm absolutely ecstatic about this pick. Um, you know, if you were watching the stream, then you saw me say something along the lines of he was my, you know, fourth or fifth rated prospect on the board, and they got him all the way at 11, so already an incredible value. And the Spurs were sorely lacking in defense, especially in the perimeter defense department and even in the team defense department. And he is, to me, the best team defender in this draft, an incredible perimeter defender who can guard one, two, three. And if he maybe adds a little bit of muscle, maybe four, um, I just don't think he can be upset. And the Spurs didn't shoot a lot of threes, even though they shot a good percentage. But this kid is a really good three-point shooter. And he's going to be someone who, in my opinion, should be able to come right away, plug and play from day one. Um, and we know that he likes tacos and that he hasn't been to San Antonio, but he's ready to do anything, you know, to win. So I'm, I'm excited to see him come to the team. Surprising fact I read is that not that he likes tacos. He has never had a breakfast taco. Oh, he's never had a breakfast taco. Well, yeah. we got to get some in him. He's exactly. in San Antonio now. So you got to get some breakfast tacos. Well, yeah. And a quote that Jeff, Jeff Garcia shared with us. He's excited to help to join pop with the social justice speaking out and as well as breakfast tacos. You know, I like that's a weirdly underrated aspect of him that he will fit in very well with the Spurs. It seems like, especially Lonnie during the riots, yeah. uh, the BLM movement, you know, going on. Yeah. He was in downtown San Antonio, handing out water, you know, helping clean it up, but also kind of help spread the message. Um, DeJounte's always on Instagram somewhere doing something. So, you know, yeah. Um, DeMar's always incredibly outspoken, especially about Compton and everything going on there. So I feel like if he sticks true to his word right there, he's going to uh, find uh, quite a bit in common with his uh, future teammates. Definitely. I think even though, you know, Jeff said he hadn't met these guys, I think he's going to fit in pretty yeah. seamlessly. And and if anything, I know everybody's saying, oh, well, we have a ton of guards. Well, think of it this way. There are initiators, there's wings, and there's bigs. He's a wing. He's a defensive-minded wing who can shoot threes, so three and D, something that every team could use. And he's young. He's still got, you know, plenty of years ahead of him to be developed into something maybe better than he already is right now. So I think Spurs fans should be extremely, extremely excited about Devin Vassell joining the Spurs. And at the end of the day, you know, yes, maybe the Spurs have too many guards, but that's only good for competition. You have a lot of really mm -hmm. talented young guys pushing each other to be better. Who's going to earn those minutes? Who's going to be the person in at the end of the game? You know, that is some good competition and I don't, for me. I don't even consider him really a guard. I, it's more, I consider him more of a forward with his size compared to the rest of the players and where he's most likely going to play with this, with this team, mostly, mostly at three. But... Looking at the draft board early on, Patrick Williams went really early at number four to the Bulls. He did. Isaac Cora went five to the to the to the Cavs. Kongu went six to Atlanta. So three back to back back guys were Spurs were kind of high on them. Just kind of went off the board really easy, really quick. Yeah. And then Denny was on the board, but he went ninth to the, the Wizards. And but then I think the surprising pick for me was 
Jalen Smith going to the Suns at 10, leaving Vassell right there for the Spurs to take. Yeah, I'm actually pretty surprised that the Suns didn't go after Devin Vassell. I was looking at their social media, and they had a few guys that were like, who are the Suns going to take tonight, you know, from their official Suns social media account? And Devin Vassell was one of those, like, poster boys of, like, the Mm -hmm. five or six guys that it looked like they may have been considering. And then he seems like a good fit. Like, they could always use more three-point shooters. I know they already have um, um, Michael Bridges or Mikhail Bridges over there. Um, on the Suns, and he's very similar, but I don't think you can ever have too many 3 and D wings, mm-hmm. and you know, good for them taking another reach, like last year they reached a little bit for Cam Johnson, and this year they reached for, um, r- remind me of his name, it's, I'm blanking, Jalen Smith, yeah. right? they reached for Jalen Smith, yeah. so, and, and they, like Ty said, they left Devin Vassell right for the Spurs to take, and I think that's the best thing that happened all night for the Spurs. That was mm-hmm. really great, and it was kind of lucky, and it just the cards fell the right way for them there. It's let's talk real quick because I know there was a lot of trade hype going into this, and but less than an hour before the draft happens, we learn that that uh, Clay Thompson essentially has a uh, we assume Achilles tear, yeah. Which I think I think that affected more than anything than everyone uh, really yeah, expected. I think that not only affected our possible trade talks, but it knocked down dominoes for other teams um, because. Basically, the Warriors trading their pick to either Chicago or us and the the shift in the players that we see, um, a lot of teams look at that, and it seems like even some teams would prepare for that. And when you see a huge domino like that fall, it just sets off these trade situations where it's like, eh, we're not really sure anymore. You know, teams get tentative, and the whole landscape of the draft changes because you go from what you think maybe your rival is going to be picking to now, oh, well, they have to pick here because they're down a cornerstone player. So it's, I just feel like that that was a huge push for not only our trade aspirations with Golden State, but other teams trading with I, each other. I think trade throughout the whole lottery because we saw, I can't guess, six, seven, eight. I think almost all the lottery teams were looking at trading in some sort of fashion especially minnesota yeah and so minnesota stayed put with anthony edwards uh golden state was hearing a lot between they stayed put because clay thompson is now hurt and they kind of just had to go with james wiseman um the hornets liked i think the hornets were going to stay where they were but you heard a lot of trade talks throughout before this and a lot of buzz but then again you get a clay thompson injury that i think derails almost everything and all the plans going around yeah because what the Warriors were actually linked to talking to us, Chicago, Boston, and maybe one or two other teams, but they were just in talks with so many different people, and that that kills at least three trade scenarios right there for like possibly um, uh, like shifting the makeup of certain uh, divisions in the NBA. You know, with a team getting a second like the second overall pick, it just it shook a lot of stuff up that we didn't really see coming. Sure, and, and and I think one thing that's really important to remember, and something that you know Keith Smith talked to me when he was on my YouTube channel, is like trades are really unlikely in the first place. Like mm-hmm. they're probably not going to happen. We hear a million a million hypotheticals, a million rumors, and then most of the time trades don't really end up happening in the volume that a lot of people are hoping for. Yeah. And 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 fans cannot be upset at the Spurs for not trading, right? Because we saw very few trades made throughout the night. And like y'all mentioned, I think the Clay injury probably set a few things in motion in the opposite way of what we wanted to happen. So, you know, no trades happened. Is that a little bit 
you know, disappointing? Yes, but it was always going to be kind of hard to move LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. And you know what? The, the, the trades that are potentially on the table don't necessarily have to be over. You know, yeah. they could still happen. There's a long off season ahead of us, or I guess a short yeah. one ahead and we of were, us. We were talking about beforehand that we could see a lot of those, for, um, those picks that some, you know, some of these lottery teams may have been picking for other teams and they were just saying, Hey, we don't really have the facilities to organize these trades right now because there were, there was a short turnaround between the moratorium and the draft. You know, it only happened what, two days after it was lifted. Yeah. Um, so we could see some of these trades happen. That it just may not be within the forty-eight hour window that they were allowed to start doing them. So you know, trades they can be a week, two week, two week, three week long process. I mean, even for us, like you know, we're talking bigger assets and like the first overall pick. But like you know, in the quiet trade, that took forever. You know, these big blockbuster trades, which the first, second, third overall picks, those are blockbuster trades. A lot of people don't realize that. You're not just trade. You're not pick swapping. You're trading cornerstone players to another team for what you think would become your cornerstone players. So it gets really sticky. Um, there's a lot of intangibles to it that us as non GMs and non head coaches and non owners don't realize. Yeah, we don't give we don't give the people in the front office across the NBA enough credit. Exactly. Like obviously we, we can be really critical of them, but at the end of the day, we don't really know what goes into it all. And it's not as easy. Like anybody from the outside can be like, oh, they're not, they're doing a terrible job. They're not mm -hmm. even calling. They're not even picking up the phone They're They don't even care to make a move. Well, I'm sure that's not true. It's exactly. not like they're telling everybody all the time, every single phone call they make, every single text they send out, every single DM they ever get from another, you know, owner or, you know, front office personnel person. So it's just exactly at the end of the day, we don't know what goes into it. And it's much harder to get deals done than it appears on the outside. And you can look at our own draft <laughs> Woj and uh, Shams were not able to break our you know we kept it until the last second who we were picking and not only that we didn't even know that we worked out Vassell we found yeah. out in the post the post draft interview like you know some teams are like super adamant about telling you know like oh Charlotte's really interested in Westbrook you know all these teams are ready to trade. The Spurs, we never really know. And the fact that so many people broke it, that we were looking to make big moves, makes me think that we were looking to make big moves. And, you know, Wright was out here trying to do his best. But it, everything's kind of shifted. And again, it, it, was, it wasn't it was just Wright that wasn't able to make a trade. It was almost every, yeah, every team in the what? lottery that wasn't able to make a trade. Yeah. You did see some trades tonight, but they weren't big. You just saw, yeah. Seth, you saw Seth Curry go to, to the Philadelphia for Josh Richardson in a pick. You saw a lot of pick swaps. You didn't see a yeah. lot of player movement. Exactly. Uh, I think the first trade started with um, Minnesota getting the 17th pick. Was that it? I or, believe. Uh, to get Poku? Whoever got Poku? Uh, it was Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. So that was the first, I think, real trade. And it was mainly just a pick swap with maybe a player, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, funny enough, Josh uh, Richardson uh, just tweeted out whenever he got traded. He just tweeted... Uh-oh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Like, no, it's just uh-oh, and that's it. I'm but like, so, okay. Let's go back to v Vassell. Okay. I think he, like you guys said, this is a guy, I think this is a great pick mm -hmm. in terms of drafting at need. Yeah, you really wanted the Spurs to trade up. You really want to give a guy like a, a Konkwu, maybe even Denny. But to have Vassell fall to you at 11, at a guy that was projected to go just a little bit earlier. Exactly. That's I think it was a great pick at that at that spot. Exactly. Uh, it fills a need that you guys, the Spurs, desperately need in terms of defensive wings. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that's people call him a shooting guard, but this is a guy that's like six seven with almost a six ten wingspan. Yes. And 
he's probably one you know you said that he's one probably one of the best defenders in this draft at least team i think defenders. he's the best team defender in this draft and as far as individual defenders goes or is his like defensive versatility in terms of being able to switch i think he can guard people who are between traditionally point guard sized maybe all the way to smaller um power forwards i just think he doesn't necessarily have the muscle to hang around with bigger guys but you know one through three is a really Really good, you know, defensive skill set. And like you said, he's not really a guard, but again, like I see players more as wings, creators, and bigs. And if you're guarding wings and creators, I think those are the two most important positions that are, you know, archetypes that make teams run. So, exactly. um, you know, if that's who he's guarding every night and he's doing it at a high level, I don't think you can be upset with this pick at all. Exactly. Because you look at um, the top, the top players in the league, right? If you take out... At the top active players, three of them are center power forwards. You know, you got Jokic, Embiid, AD. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone there. But if you look at what people consider the best players, you look at LeBron, Kawhi, KD. Oh, of course, Giannis is out there. All these guys are that wing position. None of them are really bigs. You wouldn't necessarily call they're them like big. big creators. They're just big they're super sized yeah. creators. And I think like the NBA runs on big super sized creators, like guys like Luca or Jokic or even yeah. like a Jimmy Butler or LeBron. Like those guys are what run a team. But like the wings that surround them and even the like the secondary tertiary creators, you know, those are guys who are still important too. Yeah. And if you're able to guard um the general archetype of what most of the best players in the league fall into that's a really valuable for a team and especially at the high level that Vassell has shown to do it. So there's a lot to look forward to, especially when we were uh, ranging from crap to fairly poor for most of the season on defense. I think it is a huge upgrade to whatever we had in this freeze up space. This frees up breathing room to where we are actually able to get rid of uh, the two banes of our existence, right? <laughs> we can get rid of uh, Marco and Bryn. And especially with us drafting, even though I'd say, you know, Vassell's more of a tweener, um, we we drafted two guards tonight, and we drafted a point guard and a shooting guard. What are we trying to get rid of? A six foot three point guard and a six foot five, six foot six. I don't know what Bellinelli is shooting guard. We are replacing them. This is exactly what we wanted. This is what Spurs fans, you know, whether you're a homer, what whatever you want. Um, this is what all of us clamored for, and we should all be really happy that we're seeing it unfold. Definitely. And it, so, you know, you have these new guys coming in, but it also means that get shipping out Bren and shipping out Marco. That's minutes. That's minutes for Keldon. A lot of that's minutes. for minutes for Loney. That's minutes for Derek and DeJounte. Exactly. Minutes for Derek and DeJounte that's, at the same time. It's minutes for all four of those guys that you guys are really, that fans are loving and are high on. Exactly. And I think that gives them the opportunity that they desperately need. Even if you have DeRozan and Lamarcus still on this on this rotation roster, you're still going to see more minutes for these young guys because you're getting rid of guys within their positions at the least. Okay, so we have word from Brian Wright. Um, Vassell has been on the team's radar for the last two seasons. They've been looking at him. So that's good to know. Yeah, that's interesting. And y'all were talking about Devin Dotson. He is signing with the Bulls. I saw that. Yeah, Devon Dotson signed with the Bulls. He said he idolized... Uh, uh, Derek Rose growing up, which is crazy because he's like, obviously Derek Rose isn't that old, but like Devon Dotson has is like young enough to have been a kid yeah. when he was watching him. Um, so that's really cool for him. And really, so really solid. We are reco- we are recording this episode literally right after the after the draft, so we are kind of getting news of undrafted free agents. Yes, I'm hoping I'm not certain, so don't 
don't take this seriously, but I'm going to hopefully we get Jeff G for a segment about Brian Wright's interview post draft. That'd be nice. I would hope to get that, or at least bring that, give you that to you guys some in some in some way eventually. But yeah, this is I think this was a fun night, and now let's for sure. let's move on to to our second round pick, Trey Jones out of Duke with the forty first overall pick. Yes, it's a point guard, but like you said, it's a signaling that Bryn might be might not be coming back. Exactly. Noah, give us your draft. Gives your draft breakdown of Trey Jones. Yeah, so Trey Jones won Defensive Player of the Year over at Duke, um, and I think he justifiably won that award. He's somebody who's going to get under your skin. He's a gritty defender. He's he's absolutely fearless. He's going to take on any assignment. He's great at the point of the, uh, point of the attack. Um, really smart team defender. Someone who makes calculated gambles. And then on the other end of the ball, he's a really good facilitator. And he may not have the best court vision or may be mm-hmm. the best passer or best shooter, but he knows how to run an offense. Um, had one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the nation last year. And his brother Tyus Jones has NBA pedigree. Another guy who happened to lead the NBA. In assist to turnover ratio the last couple of seasons so you know he comes from a good basketball family his brother is clearly you know a solid basketball player and um, you know you cannot be upset with this pick he's a developing shooter but at the end of the day they did not draft a guy in the second round to be a starter he is someone who could probably run a second unit offense and this may be signaling the end of Bren the end of Marco and even potentially the you know end of Patty down the line yeah um, and he said so let's wait on quotes but yeah we, we said like you said, Defensive Player of the Year in the ACC, as well as Player uh-huh. of the Year, as well as a finalist for the Wooden Award. Yeah, the Wooden Award, yeah. That's a that's some credits right there, and that's something that shouldn't be ignored, especially being as a guy that's come from a high-class a high class program in Duke. Yeah, and I think in a normal draft where there aren't so many point guards, because there are so many point guards in this draft, if you want to look at it from a traditional position perspective, there were so many point guards in this draft who rose up draft boards, and Trey Mm -hmm. Trey Jones kind of was stagnated, and then because other people rose, that stagnation made him fall. Mm -hmm. In a normal draft without this many solid point guards, I think you would have seen him probably drafted at the end of the first round, just like his brother Tyus was. And so at, at, at 41, for a guy like Tyus Jones, I think that is just such another excellent value pick for the Spurs. Now, would I give it an A plus? No, but I definitely would give it something like a B minus or even a B or a B plus because it is good value and, you know, it's hard to be upset with somebody there, especially a second rounder. Like most of these guys don't end up playing. So if he ends up playing in the league and I think he'll be someone who hangs around for a decade more, kind of like his brother seems to be, you know, on the track to do, uh, you know, you can't be upset at all. You're going to have to be happy with that. I mean, if you look at stuff like, man, Blossom game is out of the league. So if if you think about it, we had Blossom game for a while, and somehow Quinn has already played, what, probably 10 times more minutes than Blossom game ever even touched on our court. So it's like we seem to be finding more and more value in our second-round picks, and that started with, uh, what, Metu? It started with Metu. Metu was drafted alongside Derek White. No, mm-hmm. no, Lonnie Walker. Sorry, my apologies. Oh, yeah, Lonnie. So Blossom game was drafted next to Derek White. Uh, Metu was drafted with Lonnie, and then Quindary was drafted with Keldon and, and Luca. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at those picks, you look at um, Blossom Game and you look at Metu, those are guys who they were hoping would be able to play in the NBA, maybe provide some upside. They weren't necessarily NBA-ready players. And I think Ta- or Trey, rather, Trey Jones is an NBA-ready player. He may not play immediately because the Spurs do have – you know, DeJounte and they have Derek and they have Patty still. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him in the rotation in the next couple of years. And I was I was even saying that if you do have a player for God forsaken go down for a period of time, 
I think Trey Jones is going to be a great, a great backup. Exactly. Up. So say that you do have Qu- say that you do have a guy like Quindary coming in, maybe starting as if you if that's needed. But you have a guy like Trey Jones, Trey Jones, who's going to be able to come off the bench as a substitute. Yeah, and, and something that sorry, go ahead. And no, a substitute as an as an injury replacement, essentially. And something that um, is pretty underrated, but Noah here talked about is um, if Derek does end up starting, he was pretty much the floor general for our second unit, and with him starting, we're losing that. But Trey Jones can come in and you know maybe be the general that we need, maybe be the one to kind of direct the flow of traffic in the second unit. Especially, you know, if we're moving on from Patty or if he's, you know, taking on less of a role and more of a mentor, it's like we we need that. We would miss that if Derek started. And I think that he might be able to fill that void. Yeah. And, and if you're thinking about like Derek could be starting next to DeJounte, who could have also Lonnie and Keldon in that lineup somehow, the likelihood of all those guys being in the lineup at the same time is so low. So if you think about having uh, Trey Jones in there with Patty, and yeah. then alongside someone maybe like Keldon, and then you have maybe Jakob or another big man in there like mm-hmm. Trey uh, as your second unit. I think that's a good a, like a good second unit, and I think especially alongside other really good defenders, I don't think Patty stands out as such a sore thumb on the defensive end in that mm-hmm. case when you have guys who are good or serviceable defenders around him. So, you know. Trey Jones may be someone who disappoints some fans because they're tired of seeing guards, but I think he <laughs> brings a lot to the table and he can be a replacement for Forbes and, and Marco and, uh, you know, maybe even Kendari. You know, we're not really yeah. sure what Kendari is yet. I'll tell you what, uh, one thing to look forward to is uh, Patty was quoted as saying he is, hasn't even entered his prime yet. So we'll see how really? it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it a few days ago? Yeah, it was a few days ago. That's so funny to uh, me. Funny tweet from Joey Wilkinson. What do you say? Pop really got fed up watching the defense last season, so he Spurs took the best two defenders, in, one of the two best defenders in the draft. Exactly. And I don't blame him. We were very poor on defense uh, for a lot of the draft. And I, I, for forgot, I, forgot who, I forgot who said it, but someone says that we are really going to jump from the bottom 10 defense in the league to top 10 defense. I agree. I think the Spurs definitely have the potential to be a much, much better defensive team. And if you if, if you see how the Magic made their team, and I'm not saying that's the way to build a team, yeah. but the Magic were a pretty formidable defensive squad, and I think the Spurs have a higher offensive ceiling. I think the Spurs could be right in the thick of playoff contention, and e, say they miss the playoffs, it's not gonna that's be okay. You know, that's okay because this next year's draft in 2021 is even better than this 2020 draft was. In 2022, the double draft is going to be something to keep an eye on as well. So it's not the end of the world if you miss the playoffs. This is not an immediate gratification situation where you need to get back in the postseason right now to be like the Orlando Magic. And I know I gave them credit for being good on defensive end, Mm -hmm. but they're not a great team. And I think if you want to start off with the defense first mold and then figure out, you know, where your superstar comes from or where your engine comes from. Yeah. That's not a bad way to build a team. I think no matter what though, the Spurs team is going to be competitive. Oh I, yeah. There's no, I think they will be competitive as long as they, as to me, as long as they don't bring back Marco and Brandon play them heavy minutes, they should be much more competitive. Exactly. Much more competitive. I agree. And so let's talk about some other things real quick. Uh, we do know that Jakob, Drew Eubanks and Quindary Webster all got the qualifying offer. So most like at least Drew and Quindary, I see the, both of those returning to the team. Um, and Jakob, it looks like the Spurs are really one to retain him, especially with how they drafted. And I think that you're going to see you're going to see Jakob return to this team unless a unless he just gets a really god awful crazy offer from someone else that he will rather take. Yeah, but I think you're going to most likely see Jakob return to this team, especially with the way they drafted. Now we did say that one of your favorite players, Noah uh, Kill, Till, Killian Tilly, mm-hmm. it went undrafted. 
and we we are already seeing some un, some undrafted uh, players get signed. That's certainly a name that I, I you would want to keep an eye on. Definitely. Um, are there any are undrafted players that you might want to keep an eye on? Um, you know, I think Jonathan Gavoni had a really good list of players to keep an eye on that are undrafted. Uh, you know, he he la- listed names like Devon Dotson. Obviously, he's off the board. Uh, but someone like Nate Hinton, I'm not sure if he has been signed, but he's someone who I, who I'd be really interested in. He's someone who is a really good rebounder for um, a wing. Um, interesting profile as a prospect. Uh, you know, if if you want to dive deeper into him another time, we definitely can. But um, you know, a few other names that I like. I like Najee Marshall. I like Lamine Janay. Um, he was a guy who played in one of the lower Division One schools and a lower conference, but he was an absolute scorer. I mean, like 26 points per game. Um, at the very least, worth an undrafted free agent flyer. See what he can do against you know the G League or on a, a practice squad or something like that. And then Tress Tinkle is also interesting to me, but <laughs> um, Killian Tilly would definitely be yeah. my top option. And I know he's had some injury concerns, but to me, he's a really – um, well-rounded player and low maybe risk, he's not um, yeah low risk high reward maybe he's not a you know a master of anything and he's just you know a jack of all trades and a master of none but he is really solid across the board mm-hmm. and in injuries concerns notwithstanding even if he had to play limited minutes and he was on a minutes restriction or something like that if you're looking at a guy as an undrafted free agent, the likelihood he plays more than 20 minutes per game is pretty low. So I think in a yeah. scaled-down role, role in limited minutes, he could be really effective. I mean, he would be better than, like, Zeller. <laughs> yeah, I uh, immediately, yeah. To me, he's immediately better than Tyler Zeller. And we've had a problem recently with uh, signing underwhelming bigs to small contracts and just letting them rot on the bench, like uh, Laverne, uh, oh, yeah. Zeller, Deadman. He was okay was for kinda a year. He just he was had okay. foul troubles. He did, but he was also like one of the worst pick and roll defenders. Which, like mm-hmm. we've mentioned in the past, is pretty much like the most used play in the NBA. Like yeah. that's why everybody knows what a pick and roll is because they use it constantly. And if you're going to be an awful defender for that play, then you're going to get exposed and people attacked mm-hmm. him. So, you know, a, a decent rim protector, right? A good rebounder. Um, but not like the best player. So I, you know, I do have to agree like the Spurs have gone uh, like after underwhelming big guys and maybe you don't consider uh, Dante Cunningham a big guy, but even him, he yeah. was like kind of underwhelming. He had that one game against yeah. Nola and we still lost. Yeah. But he had like 27 points. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was wild. Yeah. He was like on fire randomly. I, I liked his uh, attitude when he played with us. Um, one person who I never want to see back with the Spurs is Quincy Pondexter. Cause not only did he suck, he had a bad attitude after he left. Really, I didn't know that. I, I didn't even notice I didn't that know at that all. Either. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, like I he was made a few comments. Yeah, I mean, you got. I guess you just let it be in the past because I honestly I don't know much about him and he didn't play much, so he's you know, not super relevant to you, me. You know who I was disappointed that didn't really get a lot of run. I don't want to hear it. Oh, uh, Kelly until he just got signed. Uh, yes, Memphis uh, Grizzlies. Don, uh, Dante Cunningham. Oh, I thought you were about to say uh, Demar and Carroll. No, no, uh, no. I, I hate that Dante Cunningham didn't get a lot of run, but he that just sucked. wasn't like he wasn't that great of a player. Like he's pretty much like a serviceable like, um, like injury insurance kind of guy where yeah. he's gonna play, or he may play if you need someone to like get under the skin. Like yeah, as a defender, his def- his his defense was pretty solid, but I don't think he offers a whole lot. But you know, hopefully the Spurs find now now that Killian Tilly and a lot of the other guys who are the top undrafted free agents are gone, maybe. They can find something because it looks right now like the Memphis Grizzlies are having an absolute like filled day at the draft right now. I know. So who do you think want like give me some of your top teams who won this draft? Well, uh, for me, Tyrese Maxey going to the Sixers is a really excellent 
excellent value pick. Could be a steal of the draft, um, similar to how Brandon Clark was last year, where like a lot of people who were draft heads valued him a ton and thought, you know, he's really high on my board, but NBA teams over, overlook him and then he exceeds expectations. And I think he can do the same thing. I think he really could do the same thing for someone like Philadelphia. And um, so for, for me, Philadelphia is one of the teams that won the draft. I think they also got Isaiah Joe, who's another excellent shooter, someone who has a little bit of uh, shooting and creation potential. So it's hard not to like what Philadelphia did. And they also were able to get rid of um, Josh Richardson and pick up Seth Curry. Yeah. So yes. they've absolutely gone all in on that. guess this idea of providing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons floor spacers. And I don't think that's a bad idea, especially yeah. after last year, they went with the supersized lineup that didn't really work come playoff time. Uh, what about a loser? Because I have one loser in mind already. Besides well, give me Knicks. give me your loser, and I'll Knicks. tell you. Knicks. Yeah, the they, Knicks. they they get. They, I think they get a good prospect in Obi. Obi Toppin at uh, want to say it was eight. Eight. Hey, that's the same number as how many power forwards they have now. So it's like <laughs> it's like a. But yes, they it's have perfect. they have too many power forwards. I but they I think they got a really good player in that Toppin. That's true. But not really anyone else. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at their draft. So they they got a. Uh, they got Obi at eight, and Obi I think is going to be a really solid offensive player. I don't think we're going to have to worry about him scoring, but much like Dwayne Dedman, he's an awful defender in the pick and roll, and he's really not that great of a defender in general. So I think you may struggle if you're the Knicks. Maybe you're bad again. Maybe get lucky. You're right back in the lottery. That's exactly what I expect to happen. They also drafted Leandro Bulmaro and then immediately traded him to the Timberwolves, so that's... Uh, a dodged bullet for Bulmaro, yeah. and they ended up getting uh, Emmanuel quickly, you know, rip Emmanuel quickly. I liked him quite a bit <laughs> out of Kentucky and now he's headed to the Knicks. And then it looks like they also got uh, Daniel Oturu, another guy who I was like, I think he's a good second round value, but to be honest, if you're heading to the Knicks, I just Kiss don't think it's goodbye. the best, like most nurturing environment. Yeah. You know, especially for developing prospects. So you I'm know, just you, not sold on you know who the, going there. You know, the biggest winner of this draft has to be, who? Killian Hayes going to Detroit and not to not to New York. Oh, oh exactly. man, he, he he did dodge a bullet. One pick away. One pick away. And at least in, in Detroit, he might have some fun with uh, Blake Griffin. Who knows? Maybe Blake yeah. Griffin has a comeback year because he did look actually pretty good when he wasn't injured a couple seasons ago. And I say yeah. know, not injured. He's often not or very not often injured. He's often injured is what I meant yeah. to say. So, you know, we'll see what he does there. But um, you know, I agree with y'all with the winners and losers of this draft. I can think of um, two people I wouldn't call losers, but I would call almost major reaches. And I think that they may have not sabotaged their season at all, but they didn't do that well in the draft. Sure. Are Bulls. Bulls at four with Patrick Williams. Okay. And maybe not as much, but the Suns. The That's Suns. a weird pick. At Jalen Smith, and time. they should have <clears throat> taken Vassell, if we're being honest. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't take Vassell, but I'm also not surprised considering they drafted um, Cam <clears throat> Johnson last year out of North Carolina, the fifth-year senior, <laughs> uh, one of the oldest guys, someone who people were like, okay, well, he makes sense in the 20s, and then they go, we got to get him, yeah. and they you know they pick him at 11, and then they do kind of a similar thing where they draft Jalen Smith at 10. They also drafted Bender a few years ago too. They did draft Bender and Marquise Chris very early as well, so they haven't been the best drafting team. I think they kind of got lucky with Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, and then in, in terms of Patrick Williams to the Bulls, I think that was much too early. Um, a guy who we both, uh, you know, all three of us have discussed, he didn't start a single game in college, and that's not necessarily the worst thing because um, someone who I compared him to in terms of like role – um, coming out of school, like 
Marvin Williams was the second pick of his draft, didn't start a single game for North Carolina, but won a national championship with them. Mm -hmm. And then people were betting on his upside. And then people were also really disappointed when he wasn't immediately good. And I think fans might be kind of similarly disappointed with Patrick Williams. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's a day one contributor in any sort of meaningful way. Um, You know, he's the second youngest prospect in this entire draft after Alexei Pokashevsky. And, you know, Bulls fans, you have a bunch of assets and Patrick Williams is yet another asset, but where do, what is where does he get his minutes? Who does he play over? Um, what is his role? Because to me, that's the most important thing. He's exactly. a three four tweener, um, but he's not necessarily NBA ready. So it's a confusing pick to me. Maybe exactly. they make moves, but I, I just I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that is. And I like him for his upside, but I don't necessarily love it for the Bulls. Yeah, and before people get confused, because I think. At least me and Titan, I'm sure you had mm-hmm. very high remarks about Patrick Williams. That's when we thought we could have gotten him at 11. Yeah, I think he was a good value at 11. A, a, actually, a, a pretty good value. I mean, he, I had him 13th on my board, but if we're looking at it through my Spurs lenses, and the Spurs are trying to fill a position of need and meet that potential uh, you know, star in the making kind of mold of a player, I think Patrick Williams would have been a good option at 11. But at mm-hmm. 4... It's very, very, very early, very, very early. And I hope that, you know, for anybody that I'm doubting on, I hope they prove me wrong because I'm rooting for every single one of these guys. But at the end of the day, not every single player in this draft can be a star, even like a serviceable player. Like people are bound to bust. People are bound to boom. So yeah. um, we'll just have to monitor it. Exactly. Yeah. I I think Okoro was a, I think that was a good, at least a good deal at five for Cleveland. Even good fit. Cause they already have a few guards and then you still have Kevin Love and all that, but you can, they needed someone at that wing position, and mm-hmm. I think Okoro is going to be really good for them, at least, I would say. I, I definitely think so. Isaac Okoro is another guy who's a really terrific defender, really tough, NBA-ready body, elite athleticism, and they're lacking defense for sure. They're definitely lacking defense, and they have guys who can shoot the ball, and they have a lot of guards uh, or, or like lead initiators, so I think yeah. Isaac Okoro is a really nice pick for them. And so, they're lacking... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go no, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. They're also lacking... Uh, Good draft capital in the past couple of years. Like, uh, who was I forgot his name? Who's the guy they drafted last year? Darius Garland, Dude, which was he... kind of confusing considering they drafted Colin Sexton the very, the year before. They're like almost identical it... in like height and weight and positions. Not yeah. only that, um, I think it was in Per. I can't exactly remember the advanced stat. He was like, like fourth from the bottom in the NBA overall. And I'm not that surprised either because rookies usually come in and they're awful. Like, even if they put up numbers, they hurt their team. Like, we saw Dennis Smith Jr. come in immediately in the Mavericks averaging, like, 15 points per game or four or five assists or whatever. But, like, the advanced metrics say he really hurt them. And that's not unusual for rookies. But I think if, if you're that team and you're grabbing yet another rookie, right, if you're getting another rookie, you don't want to continue to just add guards when you've put like a top four, top five pick into these other guards. Yeah. So I think having a wing like Isaac Okoro um, is, is a good fit for them. I really do. I think it's a really solid fit for them. What about kind of the odd pick to me? Was it a Kongwu at six to Atlanta? Knowing how looking at their big man roster already with John Collins, Clint Capella. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that earlier, right? Um, it looks like they're looking to move Capella and it looks like they're at an impasse in contract talks with Collins. Now, that may be wrong. That's what I saw, I think, Sham's tweet. Or maybe Kevin O'Connor. I can't remember exactly. But it looks like one of those two will be on the move, and they're looking at Okongwu to fill that void. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, that makes sense. Um, I think Okongwu uh, could easily play next to a guy like Capella or a, a guy like um, John Collins. 
but if if I'm being honest with you, I really like Okongwu over both of those guys. I think mm-hmm. he has definitely more shooting potential than someone like um, Capella does. I think he's a similar rim protector as Capella. And mm-hmm. then as far as John Collins goes, to me, he's very similar to Obi Toppin where he's not a good defender, but he's a guy who can, you know, fill up the stat sheet, but not necessarily impact winning. So I think with, uh, with Onyeko Kongu, you kind of get the best of both worlds. So you can yeah. feasibly move on from both guys or one of them and still be fine. And I think that's Onyeka what they're prepared there. for. I think um, with Okongwu, they say, well, we lose one and keep the other. We have Okongwu. It doesn't matter which. Or if we lose both, we're fine. Yeah. No, I definitely agree there. I definitely agree. All right. Let's talk to the, la- the last part of the segment, which is definitely the trades. And I still I don't think that a a after the fact trade is not is not out the window. I think that's oh, still I, possible. I, I agree a hundred percent, especially because I really feel like this team is trying to move on from Lamarcus as quick as they can. And I, I forgot which one of you said it that just because we already saw that Clay talks, it really hurt. That really hurt the possible trades, but also just the short amount of time that they had. I, for, I think it was yeah. that you that you that said Nick. Where just the short amount of time was not helpful. Hey, oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I was talking about how even the dreaded Kawhi trade. You know these things. You're, you're not just pick swapping, is what I was saying. You are trading away cornerstone players for other cornerstone players, or the chance at cornerstone players. You are you're gambling on stars, and you're gambling on literal stars to align for you and your team to pick what you want or to get who you want. You don't get these things. You don't get these things aside of when the moratorium lifts 48 hours before the draft. You know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Some of some dra- some trades take weeks, you know. It's just something that I wouldn't be shocked if we see LaMarcus traded in a week. I, I wouldn't be that shocked if we don't see him traded at all, but I feel like it's 60-40 in favor of him getting traded this season because um, I really feel like the Spurs want a return instead of a return from him instead of just seeing him walk for nothing. Kind of same with DeMar, but... You know, DeMar adds a lot of leadership for the young guys, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, I just feel like the Spurs are going to do their darndest to get LaMarcus off this team for better or for worse. Yeah, and, and like, when you're thinking of moving LaMarcus and moving DeMar, like, it is, it's it's harder than it ever has been, and it's only going to continue to get harder to move these guys. Mm-hmm. They're Obviously, they're on expiring deals, so it's not like somebody's going to have to invest in them in the long term, but to make the money work, people are going to have to part with either major part, like, major players or multiple assets, or a, a bad contract, which then if you're the Spurs, do you want that? So it's going to make it really complicated. And yeah. LaMarcus, and I've mentioned this in the past, he's coming off of a season-ending shoulder injury, and he's 35 years old, coming off maybe one of his worst seasons in recent memory, even though he did provide value as a, as a three-point shooter stretching the floor like he never has before in his career. I mm-hmm. still think his value took a hit. And DeMar, oh, for sure. I think his value also takes a hit because you look at the Spurs. Yes, they were good in the bubble, and he was able to be that fourth-quarter closer and defer to the guys and get people involved in the first three quarters of the game. But it hurts him because the Spurs were still a losing team at the end exactly. of the season. They missed the playoffs for the first time in 22 years, and it's easy to go, well, it must be DeMar's fault because he's their best player. Yeah. He's their second best player. And, you know, teams are going to use whatever they can to exactly. their advantage to gain leverage. And so when you look at it through those lenses, it's hard to move players. So, yeah. I mean, yes, the Spurs have not made a deal yet. But the, you cannot count out the possibility that they're still looking and that they have been on the phones because there's no way there's this much smoke and these many rumors and, mm-hmm. you know, without there being some sort of substance to it, right? 100%. There has to be some truth to it. Otherwise, why would reporters do that? Exactly. They don't and have any incentive to do like, so. 
especially with the Spurs, because we're not, I mean, we're a team that, you know, it drew a little bit of media attention that we, oh, we maybe have some mystical trade going on, but they have no reason to lie about that because we're generally not a big trading team. If, you know, you get what, who was talking about it? Um, Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe, even Kevin O'Connor. Everyone was talking about it. All these random reporters, oh, there's smoke, there's fire, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Spurs are making a big move. I believe them. I still believe that they're trying to. I really think the clay injury took swept the rug out from literally everyone, including the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I'm I feel like the Warriors might be upset that it happened not only because they lost Clay, but it it kind of threw off their trading plans because it seemed like they had trading plans with either us or Chicago. One of those was gonna happen. Yeah. From how it seemed. And it's tough to make a trade now if you're the Warriors because even if you get that Lamarcus Aldridge or maybe you get um Wendell Carter Jr. like people yeah. were, were rumoring. Those guys aren't pushing you over the top exactly. if Clay is out. So why make that trade? Exactly. Why make that trade? Maybe wait. Be patient because you have you, you can be patient. You know, Steph is getting older, but he's not out of his prime yet. Oh, yeah. So you can be patient, see what the market has to offer in terms of free agency next season, mm-hmm. and see what people are willing to trade you during this season and even next year. So yeah. there's just no urgency into necessarily making a move right this moment and, and i'll tell you oh, and, sorry, and losing clay yeah. definitely changes your plans and one thing to keep a lookout for is uh, especially noah's talking about the double draft in 2022 you are going to see so many teams this year and even possibly next year just try to unload their you know good players decent players for 2022 specific draft picks because that's is shaping up to be an insane draft yeah so that's just something to look at Absolutely, absolutely. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the term double draft, just means that the NBA's one and done rule is essentially going to be through. So you're going to get mm-hmm. all these players from the high school class, the best players in that class, and you're going to get all the incoming freshmen or all the freshmen um, who didn't meet that rule, you know, the previous year. So you're going to get two high school classes worth of talent combined into one draft. So the top of it is going to be stacked. Even if you're at mm-hmm. the bottom of the lottery, you should be in a very good position to make your team better. Yeah, and honestly. From from how it sounds in that draft, you'll be picking what would have been a first round pick this year, probably at forty or fifty, like easily at forty, maybe at fifty. You, you don't know. You could be, you could be, and and I think twenty twenty one class is another one you don't want to ignore because twenty twenty one class, um, and this is going to be controversial, but for me, the idea of tanking for someone like Cade Cunningham, I don't care. You do it, you do it because yeah. Cade Cunningham is a generational player. I've thankfully had the opportunity to see him play live in person multiple times. This kid is another one of those jumbo creators in the mold of like a Luka Shamanich or a LeBron James where they can be the engine of their team without being a traditional point yeah. guard. He's a, you know, killer on offense. He's an absolute, you know, just dynamic score playmaker. Yeah. And then on the other end, he's no slouch either. Exactly. And he's a generational talent. So and if you're a team tanking and you're hoping to get him, I wouldn't blame you because that is a guy who you absolutely want on your team. Think Trevor Lawrence, if you want to put it in NFL terms. <laughs> sure. You yeah. can, like, there's only one player that I would think, you know, in the NFL that it's really like acceptable to absolutely tank, tank zero and 16 for. And that's Trevor Lawrence. You know, Justin Fields isn't the safest bet. All these players aren't. Trevor Lawrence is. It looks like it's shaping up to be the same with Cade Cunningham. I mean, you know, it's kind of the reason that we saw the Mavericks. Like, I, I feel like they knew what they had, and the Hawks didn't know, so they kind of traded it. Yeah. And the Mavs were just ahead of everybody. They knew something that we didn't, and they absolutely got 
a literal generational talent. Yeah, and even if you don't get Cade Cunningham, there's Jalen Green, Brandon Boston, Jalen Johnson, Jonathan Kaminga, Evan Mobley, Zaire Williams, Usman Garuba, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Greg Brown. I mean, a ton of talent. And if, if even if you don't get that first pick, you have plenty of options to choose from. And I, I that's the only reason why if the Spurs end up handing the keys to the youth and mm-hmm. it, they don't make the playoffs but still are competitive, that's a year of development and you get to add possibly a centerpiece that can be the star that makes this team go. Yes. And then you have these seasoned pieces around them that are still young on that same timeline. And I think that could be something worth monitoring. You know, it, if the, Even if the Spurs are not good at, at you know, playing their youth, that's yeah. not the end of the world. For us, it's literally win-win. We either make the playoffs with most of our youth, with some vets, you know, going back and forth with some development, you know, getting the use, um, what's it called, uh, confidence up by making the playoffs, or maybe we tank, maybe we don't tank, maybe we get back in the lottery, get a higher pick, but it doesn't matter. Because if it with this season and the bubble and everything, well, before the bubble, um, we saw that Pop kind of got a grasp of what was going to happen. So he said, screw it, let the youth go for let them go crazy. And I think and his happened. hand was like kind of forced a little bit because yeah. he was stubborn all season. And I think that's what it was, being stubborn, right? There's no reason you continue to play Bryn and Marco and yeah. um, Rudy and all these other guys heavy minutes unless you're being stubborn. But I think also mm-hmm. the young guys, while, you know, it may have hurt their development in some ways, in other ways, uh, you know, it instilled patience um, maybe a better work ethic. Not that any of them don't have a good work ethic. I think they're all gym rats who are really – Yes. excited to get better, enthusiastic about improving aspects of their game. Trust so, me, there's there's a rat pl- problem in the Spurs training facility. And, oh my and gosh. It's in their, yeah, yeah, it's it's in their blood to work hard. I mean, they are just wired differently than a lot of other young guys. So I, I think even if we didn't see them get that opportunity in 2019-2020, mm-hmm. if that happens in 2020-2021 where they do get that opportunity, I think they are going to not necessarily make the playoffs, but surprise a lot of the league with how good they actually are. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of that forced hand came from, uh, came courtesy of Becky and Hardy. That, that, and the fact that, uh, you had LaMarcus out, you had Trey mm-hmm. Lyles out. And then, you know, I think pop goes, well, what's the point of trying to force these veterans to carry us when I don't think they can. So he said, let's, you know, scale back fun. Rudy a little bit. Let's eliminate Patty and Bryn. And let's mm-hmm. see what these people who we've invested our first round picks in can yeah. do. And they and I think they showed that they were better than a lot of people thought they were. <laughs> yeah. So um, even 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 though I will say it, take their their success with a grain of salt. They didn't always play starter uh, against starter level players. They didn't always play the best player on the other team. Mm-hmm. And in the last Utah game, I think they w- could have won if they wanted to and played all of all of the team. Um, but even Utah kind of had their second third stringers in there. But even with that being said, um, they showed some tremendous progress. Yes. And I think that can only help their confidence. And it showed, honestly, like to me, that I think we have a top five fringe top three youth movement going ahead. Because if you think about it, a lot of people consider the Grizzlies as the best youth movement right now, maybe behind the Pelicans. We -hmm. beat both of those teams at full strength going full clip in the bubble when both teams were fighting for a playoff, playoff spot alongside us. That shows a lot about our players because we were going against, quote-unquote, which they're not wrong, but two of the top two or three youth movements in the league at full strength, and we beat both of them. Yeah, and I I think that is important to remember, but I also believe that at the end of the day, like if you have a Zion or you have a Luka or you have even a Trey Young, 
your your franchise is just set up so much better for future success because you have your superstar, your future superstar. And while the Spurs don't have that guy, like I mentioned, they have really good complimentary pieces. People could even be, you know, that second, third star. Mm -hmm. But once they get that superstar, if they're able to find them through the draft or even free agency, I think this team could be really, really good. And not only that, like free agents, I'm sure, are taking notice of what we have. Like they, they have to be. I think I think they are. I think some of them, like, I don't know. I feel like a team that could instantly make our team a contender or a person is literally just Jimmy Butler. I think that he could make almost any team a contender at this point. But if if you put Jimmy Butler on this team with the team we have now, I think we would almost be better than that Miami team. Yeah, I think I, – and actually, that's really funny. I told that to Ty the other day. Really? Mm-hmm. I, yes, I, I was like, you know, if you look at – Miami Mm -hmm. like before then nobody really was like they're this major free agent destination outside of LeBron coming with to to team up with his friend Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh like you don't really think of them necessarily as a free agent destination and then you look at their roster coming uh, you know into the season they had Jimmy they sorry Jimmy they had Bam Adebayo they had Mm -hmm. uh, Goran Dragic they had uh, you know the freshly drafted um, Tyler Hero they had Duncan Robinson they had Kelly Olenek they had Myers Leonard um, and it's not like a great roster at the outset, mm-hmm. but then you had someone like Bam Adebayo. Now that Whiteside was shipped off, he had this opportunity, and he absolutely flourished in a way that I don't think a lot of people saw, including our own coach who cut him from that Team USA I know. squad. And then suddenly you add Jimmy Butler to the mix, and everybody starts clicking, and mm-hmm. they're a really dangerous team. And I'm sure a lot of Miami fans who were really invested in the team and knew, you know, what they had. We're like, yeah, this team's going to be good this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to them for knowing that. And I think for us, we can say that with the Spurs young core, there are similar correlations there. You know, mm-hmm. they got guys, and even Kendrick Nunn for them, like a guy who yeah. was undrafted the year before, finally gets a chance, finishes second in rookie of the year voting. So there's just so many different factors that can go into a free agent's decision to join a team. And for Jimmy, a lot of it, I'm sure, was Dwayne Wade being his friend and hearing mm-hmm. all the you know love he got from, you know, yeah. the Heat. But I think that opportunity isn't out of the possibility, you know, out of the realm of possibility for the Spurs because you look at what they have: yeah. solid young core, good complementary pieces, and they could be you know a superstar away in a year or two from being legitimate contenders. Yeah, and not only that, we have what seems to be, you know, a lot of teams they look at like, oh, well, we have we have Spo, we're good at coach right now. What happens after Spo? We know what happens after after Pop. We have two insurance plans. We have Hardy and we have Hammond. And either of them can be a great head coach in the day's league. And we are graced to having both. And, Not, team, and teams are interested in both of them, too. Exactly. They were, luckily, the Thunder, now every team in the NBA has their head coach, so we're not exactly. going to be losing any of our coaches this uh, offseason, at least in like a head coach capacity. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's definitely insurance plans. And say even Ime Udoka wants to come back to the team, I'd be happy with it because yeah. I think he's another tremendously talented um, younger coach in the NBA. So there, there's just a, a lot of people who are able to study under Popovich, and I think that mm-hmm. will only – bode well for them when it comes their time to be a head coach what do y'all think of um do you think we'll find out what pop's doing after the season in terms of staying yeah after you know the 2020 2021 season yeah i think after that he'll only have one more year left and every year has like that opt-out clause so that Mm -hmm. he can can control his future 
And I think depending on how well they play this year, he mm-hmm. may stick around. I, I, but I'm not sure, you know, because we're kind of at an impasse. We're in between a youth movement, like a full throttle youth mov- movement, and like hanging on to Demar and Lamarcus and making a playoff push or trying to. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure what to think, but and, and, we may know depending on what way this season goes, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even above that, what worries me, and I don't know if I should be worried about it, but say Pop's like, I want to stay. Well, maybe we lose Becky, maybe we lose Hardy, blah, 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 this, 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 that. What if he only stays like another two years and he could have left a year or two earlier and we could have kept one of our two great head coach, you know, head coach chances. And now maybe we're scraping for another head coach. Maybe we have to, you know, outsource. It just, it's like a weird situation for the Spurs. And I'd rather hire from within from a, you know, um, a certified, uh, I don't know what you'd call like it. Like a Popovich disciple? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be all that worried about it. I think when, when it comes time for Pop to be like, I'm done, um, I think he'll probably step away and play a role in the front office. You know, mm. we saw that with uh, Phil Jackson. We saw that with someone like Pat Riley. And, you know, Pat Riley didn't necessarily have the most successful ending to his coaching career in terms mm-hmm. of, like, winning a championship, having playoff success. But he has transitioned into the front office as someone who has made – an elite team yeah. uh, through, you know, off season, through the draft, through free mm-hmm. agency. And then he found his disciple. He found it. Yeah. It was Eric Spolstra. So I think um, when, when the time comes, Pop will know when it's, it's just time to go. You know? But I, I get it. I, I yeah. understand it. And, you know, Pop's already the GM. Come on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. There's, we, we know that when we say Pop in the front office, it's basically because he is the final say, has the final say on everything. The so. only capital letter in Pat Foe is P. We'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> But so that's been our post draft thoughts. It's heck yeah. Even though we were expecting more of chaos and a more wild night, I still think tonight was a really good night. We have a lot coming up with free agency starting on Friday. Again, we recorded this nearly right after the draft, so not all this might not be up to date come morning, but this is probably the most accurate our thoughts are going to be. If you guys (laughs) want more of this content, make sure to follow at the line on Twitter at the lion pod. You can follow me at the Ty Yeager. Noah, where can they find you? At N underscore Magaro on Twitter. Go ahead and follow my YouTube page as well. Subscribe. I mean, um, it's just my name, Noah Magaro George. So you find that and you can find me there. I do a bunch of Spurs content there and I will be doing draft content soon there. And uh, lastly, go ahead and follow Pounding the Rock and look on the website as well and find my work there because I'm doing a lot of work there as well. Nick, where can they find you? Um, You can find me at... um uh, Nick Yarbrough on Twitter, which is at N-I-C-Y-A-R-B-R-O. Or um, sometimes I stream on Twitch. Like, it's just gaming. But it's at, or it's twitch.tv slash C-A... Bring your Twitch. Yeah, C-A-D-A-V-E-R-N. So it's Cadavern, which is like a weird name, but I kind of enjoy it. Okay, um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I use. So basically, at Nick Yarbrough, N-I-C-Y-A-R-B-R-O. And again, uh, we're, I'm also streaming a lot now on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Yeager. We're doing all sorts of stuff to kind of fill in for the podcast. Try to do live stuff. If you guys want to communicate with me the most, get my thoughts, get Noah's thoughts, get Nick's thoughts. They're always on. Make sure to go follow that and check us out whenever we are streaming. I will post notifications for that on Twitter. Make sure ring the make sure to ring the bell for all of us on Twitter because we're trying to we're putting out all the information we possibly can. Also, make sure to check out the Spurs Zone on News Four San Antonio as well, guys. Any last thoughts for tonight? Be excited for the San Antonio Spurs future. They did a really good job in the draft tonight. Devin Vassell is one of the top uh, end 
possibilities that could have happened tonight, and it ended up happening. So definitely be excited for mm-hmm. uh, the future of the Spurs because they may not be in a position to compete today for a championship, but they've been setting themselves up well to potentially compete in the future. Uh, well said. I agree with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go Spurs, go. go and Spurs, we'll, go. See, we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. 